This is Deep Dive. I'm Sui. Beijing has been very busy diplomacy-wise recently. Three state leaders and a senior European official come to the Chinese capital within seven days. First to arrive was the president of Cuba. Cuban leader arrived in Beijing on Thursday, as two nations firmly adhering to the social. And then the Mongolian and Lao leaders. Mongolia has met at the Great Hall of the People in Beijing. During their talks, Chinese President Xi Jinping said China is ready to work with Chinese President Xi Jinping met Lao President Feng Lun and Sethel left today during the latter state visited China. Today, a ceremony was held at the Great Hall of the People to welcome the President of the European Council. Wraps up the visits to Beijing by foreign leaders. Why did they decide to visit China? For this, I spoke with CGTN reporter Huang Yue, who followed the meetings between China and Mongolia. This episode is brought to you on Thursday, December first. We know the Great Hall of the People has been very busy recently. We heard that you covered the visit to Beijing by the Mongolian president. Could you give an overview of this trip? Yes,、uh, you know the Mongolian president Uchnagin Khurlesuk paid a state visit to China from. Uh, November twenty seventh to twenty eighth, and it's the first time for him to visit China after he assumed office in twenty twenty one. And last time he visited China as Mongolian Prime Minister in twenty eighteen. And、uh, two months ago in September this year, he and President Xi Jinping、uh, met in Uzbekistan's summer camp. On the sidelines of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization Leaders Summit, so you can see、uh, to China. To Chinese leaders, he's like an old friend. And this time, during his two days visit, President Xi Jinping held a grand ceremony, welcome ceremony for him and his wife at the Great Hall of the People in downtown Beijing. And then they had formal talks and、uh, issued a joint statement on advancing the comprehensive strategic partnership. In which the two sides reiterated China and Mongolia will respect each other's development paths and support each other's core interests. And the two presidents also witnessed the signing of some bilateral cooperation documents covering areas of、uh, economy, trade, investment, and、uh, jointly combating desertification and so on. And before the meeting with、uh, President Xi, President Hu Lesuk also met with、uh, Chinese Premier Li Keqiang and、uh, the Chairman of the Standing Committee of China's National People's Congress, Li Zhanshu, respectively. China started a busy diplomacy season after the Xi Party Congress in October, and some observers say the diplomatic activities that followed the CPC Congress could indicate the outline of the country's foreign policy in the years to come. In your opinion, why is this visit by the Mongolian leader so important?、Mm, firstly, I want to say that China shares a land border with fourteen、uh, countries, and among them, Mongolia、uh, has maintained a stable and friendly and mutually beneficial relations with China for a long time. You can tell from the story that's been discussed a lot by Chinese people at, at the beginning of the COVID outbreak when China was hard hit by the pandemic in 2020. 
At that time, Mongolia announced a donation of 30,000 live sheep to China. Mm -hmm. And actually, before the Mongolian president's visit, I also talked to the former Mongolian ambassador, who is now the chairman of uh, Mongolia-China Friendship Association. I asked him about the reason and the details of the donation. And he said, it's just like a tradition to Mongolian people. Like if their neighbor got sick, they will give them a sheep as a gift so that the neighbor can have a very nutritious mutton and soup uh, so that they can get well very soon. If in your neighbor, a new baby born, uh, you know, if it was my, my, my neighbor, I would gift a, a, a sheep so that the mother and baby can have very nutritious soup and meal. That's why I, I think, uh, you know, the, the president and the government decided, make the decision to uh, to gift those uh, 30,000 sheep. It's just that simple, but can reveal Mongolian government and the Mongolian people's sincere and a true-hearted kindness. Mm. But, you know, that's not the end of the story. In the end of 2020, Hubei province, which used to be the epicenter, sent local tea to Mongolia as gifts in appreciation of their previous donation because we know mm. that Mongolian people use tea bricks to make milk tea. And Hubei is one of the regions in China that produces high quality tea. So you can see the two countries have very deep bonds and traditional friendship. Well, mm. now, considering Mongolia's geographical location, you know, Mongolia has only two neighbors, China and Russia. Its stability, its development are deeply related to the two countries. But now we know due to the Russia-Ukraine conflict, the region is faced with increasingly unstable and uncertain environment. So in this context, a further deepening of China-Mongolia ties will inject more certainty and bring more development possibilities to the region. Hmm. So what dominated talks between the two heads of state this time? I would say cooperation, cooperation, cooperation. Mm -hmm. Deepening cooperation in various fields, of course. Like I said earlier, President Xi said China will step up the cooperation with Mongolia in uh, many areas of economy, trade, energy, mining, uh, connectivity, information technology, livestock products, and so on. And it's also worth mentioning that the two countries will have greater synergy between their development strategies. For example, between China's Belt and Road Initiative and Mongolia's Development Road Initiative, China's Global Development Initiative and Mongolia's New Recovery Policy, China's Two-Step Development Strategy and Mongolia's Vision 2050 Long-Term Development Policy. So you can see the two countries are going hand-in-hand to forge ahead to achieve uh, the win-win development. Well, in the meantime, Xi Jinping also called for the relevant departments of the two countries to advance the China-Mongolia-Russia economic corridor, as well as the section of uh, China-Russia natural gas pipeline in Mongolia. And President Hurla Suk said Mongolia fully supports China's global development initiative and global security initiative, which he said are for humanity's peace and development. And Mongolia is ready to work with China to further synergize their strategies, pursue Belt and Road cooperation, expand and deepen cooperation on economy, trade, investment, minerals, and so on, and build up the China-Mongolia-Russia economic corridor. So like you mentioned, the two countries share a long 
uh, long borders, and also the two countries are trying to coordinate their development strategies. Mm-hmm. I guess some people don't know much about Mongolia, particularly its trade relations with China. Could you give us a, a general picture of the country, Mongolia, and its economy, and also the trade and cooperation with China? Mm-hmm. Mongolia has only two neighbors, China and Russia. So Mongolian economy is、uh, mainly based on livestock, which is the basis of its traditional culture. And one third of Mongolians are nomads who live by farming. So thanks to them, Mongolia is an exporter of animal products like meat, wool, and animal hair, like cashmere. It is the first world producer. Well,、uh, in the meantime, Mongolia is also rich in natural resources, including copper and coal. Well, it's reported that Mongolia has the world's largest copper mine called Oyutolgo. Which is、uh, now under development of the Anglo-Australian giant Rio Tinto. It's said the mine contains over 30 million tons of copper and over 1,400 tons of gold. So it could generate one third of Mongolian GDP in the future. In terms of trade, China has been Mongolia's largest trading partner for 18 consecutive years. Even though the pandemic has had a severe impact on the flow of goods between the two countries,、uh, last year the China-Mongolia trade volume exceeded 10 billion U.S. dollars. And in a joint statement released this time during the president's visit,、uh, the two countries look to double the number as soon as possible. And in the first half of this year, the China-Mongolia bilateral trade accounted for more than 60% of Mongolia's total foreign trade volume. And the major exchanges are Chinese investment in Mongolia's mines and export of daily necessities to Mongolia. And according to the industry newspaper China Metallurgical News, Mongolia's coal exports surged over 225 percent on a yearly basis to reach more than 2.3 million tons in June, which is the highest since early 2021. And its coal export to China jumped 224 percent year on year in a month to hit. 2.1 million tons. So you can see that its main coal export goes to China, and like we discussed earlier, China and Mongolia are committed to better synergize their development strategies, especially the China proposed Belt and Road Initiative and Mongolia's Development Road Initiative, which, if you translate it directly from Mongolian language, can be Steppe Road or the Prairie Road Development Strategy. But anyway, it's an economic plan introduced by Mongolia in 2014, aims to boost trade with neighboring markets. In fact, this is not the first time for the two countries to propose such kind of a synergy of their strategies. In 2017, the two countries had already signed an MOU for the two development plans, and under the framework. Positive progress has been seen, especially in logistics, transportation, and of course, China has、uh, actively participated in local infrastructure construction, like、mm-hmm. hydro power stations, sewage disposal facilities, and building of roads and bridges. This is what China is good at. Well, another project that's of、uh, even more obvious strategic significance is the China-Mongolia-Russia economic corridor, which opens up. Alternative transit routes to facilitate trade and investment in the Eurasian region. 
So looking forward, how to elevate this pair of trade relations exactly? Like, is there something tangible that we can see? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there is a Chinese saying that goes, 要小富先修路, which can be right. translated as if you want to get wealthy, build roads first. Mm-hmm. Well, in the context of uh, China-Mongolia trade, that's also the case. But it's not just simply roads, it's railways. So far, there are three railway lines between China and Mongolia. The first one has a long history linking Inner Mongolia's Ehrenhaut to Mongolia's capital Ulaanbaatar, but it has limited capacity of about uh, only 60 million tons per year. Well, like we said earlier, the trade between China and Mongolia reached a new high and road transportation costs higher. So that's why rail lines are better solutions. So uh, here comes the second railway, which just started to operate two months ago. And in September, Mongolia launched a 233-kilometer cross-border rail line between the Tavantalga coal field and uh, Gashung Suhad on the Chinese border. And President Hurlusuk also attended the ceremony to mark the launch, meaning finally ending a decade-long wait for the crossing. This uh, Tavantalga is uh, rich in cooking coal, which is an essential ingredient in steel making. And this railway has the capacity to export between 30 million to 50 million tons of coal to China annually. And in the meantime, it can lower the cost of transporting from over $30 per ton if you deliver coal by truck to only $8 per ton by train. The third railway line, after eight months of construction, finally started operation two days ahead of oh. President Hurla Suk's visit to China. Okay. And it provides a vital connection crossing on the Mongolia-China border. And reports say uh, with the railway line going into operation, the annual import and export cargo capacity will increase by 20 million tons, while the total railway transportation volume will increase increase by 65%. And the distance to the international market will also be shortened by 240 kilometers, meaning major savings in transportation times and costs. Among these three rail lines, uh, two of them are quite new. Uh, Do you think we will see these lines be extended or upgraded in the future? I believe so. You know, China and Mongolia have a border railway agreement, which was originally signed in 1955. And the two countries have looked to revise the agreement. In in fact, ahead of the uh, President Hrulosuk's visit, Transport ministers of the two countries had already had an online meeting to discuss about the cooperation in highways, railways, and civil aviation. And they also said the transport authorities will further enhance the connectivity between China and Mongolia to ensure the smooth flow of the logistics supply chain. And besides economic benefits, uh, what other impacts do you think uh, these uh, rail lines will bring to the region. Like you mentioned, Mongolia sits right between China and Russia, and the three countries are trying to promote this trilateral cooperation framework. First, obviously, the rail lines will enormously boost the trade of coal between China and Mongolia. But looking at the bigger picture, uh, what draws even greater attention is the China-Mongolia-Russia economic corridor, which is also one of the main topics during this visit. 
The outline of the construction of the corridor was first signed in 2016, and two months ago in Samarkand, Uzbekistan, the presidents of the three countries agreed to extend the outline of the construction plan by five years, which will unleash even greater potential to the regional prosperity. So you can see in the future, China's manufactured items, Russia's oil and gas, and Mongolia's natural resources can go smoothly in the network. And another important project that's worth the attention is that is also what uh, being mentioned in President Xi and President Hurla Silk's meeting is the section of uh, China-Russia natural gas pipeline in Mongolia. What they are talking about is the power of Siberia 2, which is a natural gas pipeline between China and Russia, and will start construction in 2024. And it will deliver Europe-bound gas from Western Siberian fields to China for the first time. And it's predicted to enter service in about 2030. Well, Mongolia as a transit, undoubtedly it will bring economic benefit to Mongolia. A transit fees from the pipeline will help Mongolia's economy. And since Russia has been forced to stop the supply of natural gas to Europe through the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, the opening of a new China-Russia natural gas pipeline through Mongolia would also be beneficial to Russia as well. So this has been regarded as a milestone in a China-Mongolia-Russia economic corridor, which will help boost energy cooperation among the three countries and, of course, inject new impetus to the region. So apart from natural resources and cross-border trade, what else did the leaders of China and Mongolia discuss this time? Mm, they also talked about cooperation in jointly combating the desertification. Xi Jinping said China supports Mongolia's Billion Trees Initiative, and China is uh, looking to discuss with Mongolia to establish a cooperation center to jointly combat desertification. Also, the two countries said they will work more closely on science and technology, uh, education, health, tourism, media, youth, and people-to-people exchanges. China will support the construction of a Mongolian youth sports center and other projects as new landmarks of China-Mongolia friendship. Talking about desertification, why is this issue important for the two countries? I think this is really a good question. Actually, before the visit, like I said, I talked to the former Mongolian ambassador and asked him about his expectation. You know, normally those experts or analysts or envoys would say economy, trade, investment, something like that. And of course, they might also say environmental protection. But the former ambassador particularly pointed out the desertification. Mongolia is one of the most affected countries by global warming. So China has a lot of uh, experiences and expertise, expertise acknowledged by United Nations uh, and by the world in terms of fighting against the certification, uh, planting trees, uh, you know, green deserts in the north of China, Gansu province, Inner Mongolia. Then I looked into it. You know, desertification and land degradation have already affected 77% of Mongolia's total territory only 7.9% of which is now covered by forests. So this is already a very severe issue to Mongolia. And since China shares the land border with Mongolia for over 4,000 kilometers, 
the desertification could affect China directly, like sandstorm we can feel from time to time or other things. And like the ambassador said, China has the experience and has the technologies to fight against desertification. I'm not saying that China itself has already uh, totally solved the problem, but it is for our common interests. So China will definitely help as much as possible. Mm. So the two sides are working together to address this problem. How are they to to collaborate to fight the problem? China will discuss with uh, Mongolia to establish a cooperation center uh, for combating the desertification. And you know, in October 2021, Mongolia launched a nationwide tree planting campaign, which aims to plant at least one billion trees by 2030 to combat. Desertification, and by last year, it has already planted over 10 million trees across the whole country. And if the goal can be completed, as it says, the campaign is projected to increase the Mongolia's forest coverage to at least nine percent and reduce carbon emissions by around 600,000 tons. So we know this time, Kurosuk's visit to China. The two countries have signed a series of、uh, cooperation documents, including the one between China's Forestry and Grassland Administration and、uh, Mongolia's Environment and Tourism Ministry, so that they will expand cooperation in drought risk prevention, desertification mitigation, and grassland restoration. And actually, in September, a group of、uh, Chinese experts went to Inner Mongolia for research to further explore the. Measures the possibilities to jointly control the desertification with Mongolia.、Mm, very important aspect of cooperation, and when it comes to climate change, we know the Chinese President Xi Jinping also met with his Cuban counterpart, and Lao President is also meeting with European Council President. So, what can we make of this slew of visits to China and the leaders' meetings? Uh, yes, uh, this is like、uh, the third wave of China's busy diplomacy after the conclusion of the 20th CPC National Congress in October.、Um, the first batch of visiting world leaders were from Vietnam, Pakistan, Tanzania, and also Germany.、Uh, that was at the beginning of November, and then President Xi traveled abroad to Indonesia and Thailand for the G20 summit and the APEC meetings. And now、uh, another batch of leaders are visiting China from Cuba, Mongolia, Laos, and the European Council. I think it shows that China is、uh, willing to open to the world, seeking cooperation with other countries to achieve win-win cooperation. While on the other hand, facing the current geopolitical tensions, energy crisis due to the Russia-Ukraine conflict, global economic downturns. Many countries are also seeking cooperation opportunities with China. After all, amid the current situation, China's economy still turns to be dynamic, and most of the visiting countries are also developing countries. So they also want to show the world the power, the energy, the importance of developing countries. So I think this is a positive signal for multilateralism and global development. So, based on your observation, what is the topic or topics that are covered in all these meetings? I mean, share issues. Generally speaking, during the talks with the Cuban president and the Mongolian president, the key word is cooperation. Like I said, no matter it's between China and Cuba or between China and Mongolia, Xi Jinping said 
China is willing to uh, deepen the practical cooperation across the board and uh, deepen the practical cooperation under the framework of Belt and Road Initiative. During the talks with the Cuban president, uh, she said China will implement the plan on Belt and Road cooperation with Cuba and the two sides agreed to deepen high-quality Belt and Road cooperation in areas such as biotechnology, renewable energy, health, economy, trade, finance, cybersecurity, and so on. So in conclusion, I think China is ready, China is willing to work with other countries, especially under the framework of Belt and Road Initiative. Thank you very much, Huang Yue. Thank you. Also happening this week, Jiang Zemin passed away due to leukemia and multiple organ failure in Shanghai at 12.13 p.m. on November 30, 2022. He was 96. He served as the General Secretary of the Communist Party of China Central Committee, the Chinese President, and the Chairman of China's Central Military Commission. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Deep Dive.